Continue. We're called continuing conversation for a reason. Go. Yeah. Uh, no. In fact, uh, Al, Al and I were actually talking about that earlier today on uh, on uh, on chat. We uh, we we were just noticing that uh, Modiphius has been really pushing uh, some of the um, earlier books on social media and just you know advertisements of Facebook ads and stuff. They've been pushing the command source book and the science source book and the operation source book. And uh, our initial thought was like, why why are they pushing those books? Those are, books are five years old. And uh, we kind of came around to the realization that, uh, you know, even though those books are five years old and are like ancient history for me, because it was such a long time ago that I worked on them, but but like new gamers coming into the game, uh, there's new gamers coming in every day, like every every week, every month. You know, we're, we've always got new gamers checking out the game, downloading the quick starts and stuff. And those books are new to them. They're, they're brand new and like they're evergreen, right? It's Star Trek. It's not going to go old. And a lot of the content in those books are valuable because it's it's not just game master material, but it's also player material. How to like be in fact what we're talking about tonight, how to be a more effective yeah. command officer or a more effective science officer or a more effective doctor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and the, uh, you those know, those guys are quintessential uh, you know additions to the base book. Like I think when the command book came out, I remember I took dual, like dual role like that because I was still helm and XO. Yeah. And I couldn't do XO things because, you know, it, it was a little bit like I couldn't technically do it. So mm -hmm. it was it was really nice to be able to have that. Yeah. One of my new players, after he finished playing the engineering officer and saw that I had an operations book, he asked to borrow it and take it home. <laughs> and I was like, so for someone like him, and he actually sent back to me and says, actually, I want to change all my focuses and talents. And I was like, perfect. That's exactly what you're supposed to do when yeah. you read this book. So anyways, everyone, you've just, again, dropped in on a continuing conversation. As all of you know, myself and Jim, we stay on this Zoom call 24-7, 365 days a year, talking awesome. about nothing but Star Trek adventures. And occasionally, we have amazing guests drop by, like <laughs> Al, Sky, and Sam, and we continue the conversation. Um, I'm Michael this week freelance writer for star trek adventures rpg also a blogger on star trek on continuing missions which is the number one fan site for star trek adventures rpg um jim you want to introduce yourself and then the theme and everybody else yeah sure thing so i'm jim johnson i'm the uh, project manager and line editor for the star trek adventures rpg published by modifius entertainment i'm also a co-host on this here show happy to be here we've been at this what 60 episodes now or something uh week after week after week it's been great we still haven't run out of things to talk about uh partly because you know star trek is ongoing uh there's always new series new episodes to talk about and modifius is still cranking along on this on the uh on the license we still got new stuff coming out i got a long runway of stuff coming up to talk about that we'll get to eventually uh but uh, tonight we're here to talk about uh, so last week, if you remember uh, the episode, we talked about all the things about Captain being a Captain uh, player character or, or NPC. We had a great, healthy discussion uh, with uh, this entire group, plus uh, Troy Mepians, 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 uh, who uh, couldn't join us this evening, but that's okay because uh, we've got some great guests lined up here. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce them and just go clockwise around my my uh, little screen here. And we'll start off with Sky. Introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about your. Uh, XO experience, if, if any. Oh, I have XO experience. Um, my name is Sky. Uh, I played uh, 
Lieutenant Commander Bianca West, when my campaign first started, I was the helm officer and I ended up being the second second highest ranking officer behind the captain. Uh, So I got EXO by default and we played that into the game um, because our game took place like about two months after the Iconian War, if you're familiar with Star Trek Online and uh, Starfleet was very heavy hit with uh, casualties. So they were like, yeah, yeah, no, you're EXO. And my character was like, what? Excuse me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so that was that was really fun. I was kind of like thrust into that role, both as the character and um, as myself. Um, And it was it was a lot of fun. Um, My ship was the Odyssey class USS Dauntless. um, And that was a fun ship to fly around. Let me tell you. (laughs) And and, and just since they're here, your favorite first officer. So not everyone's listed here, of course, from the Star Trek series. Oh, my favorite first officer. That's tough. Um, ah, Shoot. I have to go with. I have to go with T'Pol. She's sassy. I love her. Like, and she had such character development throughout Enterprise. Um, I did not like the way that they treated her in like the first season, but you know, by the the fourth season, I think she'd really like grown into her own and how she was all about um, like not being the typical Vulcan. Um, And it was great i think i just want to back you up on that she and like seven of nine they could have been written so much better if if it wasn't that time period for hollywood um and so i appreciate you saying that because to paul she was an espionage nation she could have been amazing if they focused on that skill set all right good uh so who's next sam uh who's oh, yeah, sam no, i'm sorry yeah, go ahead. Uh, thank you, uh, Sky. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It didn't even occur to me to think about what my favorite first officer was, but I'll save that until after the uh, introductions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and uh, and your experiences with uh, XO. If I'm Sam DeLev. I'm a role-playing performer and variety streamer, probably best known in this context as a performer on the first Star Trek Adventures streaming series, Shield of Tomorrow, for Geek and Sundry, where I did indeed play a first officer, uh, Commander Junil Rue, uh, a slash security officer with some real mean crutches and an even uh, meaner attitude. Uh, but my favorite first officer was not uh, they. In fact, of the ones before me and uh, more beyond, it is Spock, not just because he is such an iconic character that it is an easy pick, but because I believe Spock best fulfills the promise of the premise of what a first officer should be as a Star Trek character, not just by dint of having pioneered that role in Star Trek, but by having done it best by providing an excellent foil to the captain in so many different ways and to a greater extent than I think we've seen uh, ever since. Excellent. Great stuff. Boy, there's a lot to unpack there, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Al, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and uh, any EXO experience that you might have. Uh, how's it going, Al Spader? Um, I'm a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures, also working on some other projects that I can't really talk about right now. Um, but uh, 
yeah, I uh, I wasn't planning on being a first officer ever. I was playing a flight controller, had a really interesting story, and then uh, some really cool story stuff started happening. And um, basically, I aged five years in the blink of everyone else's eyes. And lo and behold, a position opened and they asked me to be the first officer. Um, you know, I gained a couple of ranks. It was really interesting. It, I hope we get to discuss it a little bit more. But uh, and if I had to choose my favorite uh, first officer, I, I would say Riker, simply because I think you got to see a lot more of what the first officer's roles were on the ship, um, like, uh, you know, as far as uh, interacting with the rest of the crew, um, you know, performance reviews, you know, um, being volunteered to go to other ships, um, you know, in, in exchange programs, things like that, I think is very much what the first officer um, role turned into, the the XO role kind of turned into when you got into uh, TNG, and I thought he did it quite well. All right, and then uh, just to, to to complete the circle here, Michael, uh, who is your favorite XO? Yeah, that was a hard one. My my favorite XO is probably the one that's been seen the least so far in canon. Um, but I have a soft spot in my heart for Illyrians, so I gotta go with Una. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot to be said about that. You've heard me rant before about how I think the Federation did the Illyrians wrong back going back to, um, my favorite episode of enterprise where Archer stole their warp drive. And I think there's a lot of story behind that. So I'm really looking forward to season two of Pike, uh, Pike. Oh, that's so rude. <laughs> season, <laughs> season two of strange new worlds, um, where we get to see more about one, the character Uno, but I think every little bit we've seen of this character, even going back to the original series, is fascinating and intriguing. And I just want more of Una. So that's my 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 first officer. What about you, Jim? Yeah, this is tough because like I I really struggle to separate the the characters that I love from their roles, right? Like I think I think of all the first officers you've got you've got displayed on there, I think Kira is my favorite of them because she's just such a deep complex character that you probably couldn't do on TV nowadays, but like there was just so much to her. Um, not that, not just so much being a first officer, but just so much else to her that, that I found really um, intriguing and appealing. But like, if I have to think about like the first officer, I think I have to agree with Sam that Spock was probably the, 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 the best, you know, first officer, because you saw a lot of episodes where he and Kirk would be, going back and forth and it's like well kirk was like had this his very strong opinions and and spock would be that very logical like no you know here's how it really ought to be and mm -hmm. or here, you know, here's a different perspective and i don't think i got that as much from Riker. i think Riker was much more agreeable with picard than than spock was with with kirk um but i agree with with i agree with alan that you know Riker, like over the seven seasons uh plus of next gen you really got to see him do a lot of exo type of stuff that as a role player, I, I just I ate all that stuff up. It's like this is why this is this is why EXO is such a cool role because you get to do so much with all the different player characters and all the different NPCs on the ship, and you have so many duties because like the captain is primarily focused on executing the will of the Federation and Starfleet, and 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 the XO is like really responsible for the people and the ship and making sure everything is is ready to serve the captain's. The captain's will, right? So, um, yeah, and we're, I, think, I think Spock is my favorite XO, but there's a little bit of Riker in there too because we had just such a great opportunity to see Riker doing XO stuff 
that we didn't really see Spock do, right? We didn't see Spock really conducting personnel reviews with the council or, or, or doing the ship tours or that kind of stuff. But it was just a different kind of a feel. Um, yeah, I'm interrupting you. So go ahead. And, no, no, no. You, I, I was interrupting you. So, so, so I, w- I wanted to play off what you said, though, because we're going to talk tonight about what a first officer does, and mm-hmm. and I think it's important because we had a discussion on social media about who can a captain appoint as their first officer, and you do see a distinct difference in role between Spock, between Riker, between say Kira Norris. You see that that first officer doesn't necessarily have to be in operations. I think of Riker more as an operations focus, you know, doing crew reviews and stuff like that. So just for the sake of people who are watching this and trying to decide, like, do I want to play first officer? What's the first officer capable of? Let's talk about it. Does the first officer have to be like a Riker in order to have that, you know, position as a player? Because Una was a she was a helms person who was a first officer, right? So I, I just want to have a discussion about this because I really don't know the solid answer on it. I'd like to know what will we guide a player interested in playing this a first officer? What does that role look like? We've seen pretty much every kind of background from first officers over the years. Like, look, I cited Spock. Spock is science through and through. You don't have to be from an ops background. Each of these first officer characters has really different skill sets coming into that role that then informs how they approach being the details person of the ship. If captain's big picture, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. the XO has to know everything that's going on and has fingers in every pie. And you're going to have a character with different skills coming into that. The way that a science officer, first officer approaches that job is going to be different than ops, is going to be different than uh, tactical Mm -hmm. as a background. You let it inform, but really, especially at a tabletop role-playing table, it tends to be something that works very well doubled up with other responsibilities. That's certainly how I played it. And I've had dedicated first officers. You can do either in Star Trek Adventures very successfully. Uh, But no one who's interested in that position should let their character's background or anything preclude them from considering the spot. Yeah. Would a first officer, the question that came up too, does a first officer necessarily have to be a commissioned officer? Could it be, oh, talk to me, Sky. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, because, you know, as we've seen in Discovery, um, they made Tilly the first officer. And now she was not a non-com, but she was definitely much lower rank than pretty much anyone else on the bridge crew. and so, you know, it, that tells me, that informs me in terms of the lore that you don't have to have an XO who is the next rank down or two from captain. Um, and, you know, a lot of non-commissioned officers do have a lot of experience. Um, and I even, I think we had a non-commissioned officer at the very 
end of my campaign who very much acted in kind of an exo advisory type of role. Um, that was not his specialty, but he definitely had the, the depth of experience in command to be able to advise the captain, especially since my captain was only like 33 years old at the time. So I, I like what you're saying. So are you, are you suggesting and maybe as throwing a possibility out there that first officer could even be a rotational position based on mission of mission profiles or objectives? I mean, suppose I suppose so. You know, in the real Navy, uh, crews rotate all the time. Um, so you know whether it's rotation among the the same crew, or if you're bringing in new crew coming in from a starbase or something, I I can see that. Hmm. How you wrote the chapter on this in Player's Guide? <laughs> What's your take? Uh, so yeah, I, I think that one of the biggest factors that is going to define what your role is. Uh, as a first officer is really the size of your ship, the size of your crew, right? Because um, I wrote in the chapter that like, you know, you're responsible for crew evaluations. Well, how are you going to do that on a scale ship, a scale six ship with a thousand, 2000 people on board? You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, uh, you'll have department heads and things like that. And so, so I think defining what that role means is something that can be discussed in a session zero um, you know, with your, with your crew, what does that look like? Uh, do you serve two positions? Like, are you the science officer and also the XO at the same time, right? On a smaller ship, like, you know, a Sabre class or, or something like that, a little scale three ship, it, it would be very real, realistic that most people are cross-trained and fulfill multiple roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that really is something that can be defined um, based off of the stories that you're trying to tell. Um, and I think that, like, even if we just look at the five people behind you, um, each one of them served different purposes on, you know, on their respective shows. So, um, you know, I, I think I think that while you know there is some information in uh, the player's guide uh, that I recommend, I do think that it's a position that you can design with your team, with your crew. Yeah, and I think there's a couple precedents we saw in TNG. We saw Riker was off on a mission, so another or. or excuse me, uh, another first officer was brought in, I think as a specialist on the Borg. And so booted, booted Riker for a bit from that position. And then we even saw that Catherine, yeah, Catherine's Janeway's first officer to Vok because the circumstances got, I don't want to say demoted, but basically demoted the second officer in order to accommodate the Maquis crew. So it really, the mission leaned into that, right? Interesting. Jim, anything on that? Yeah, I, I was just uh, thinking about uh, the question that you raised, Michael, as to whether the first officer has to be a commissioned officer or not. And I was like, oh, I was just listening to everybody. The ideas were percolating in the back of my head. But like, you know, I think about now Kira and uh, T'Pol were both officers in their respective militaries, but they weren't Starfleet. And they were both perfectly, you know, super effective first officers. But then I was thinking, well, gosh, what if I was running a game on a science focused ship? And maybe for whatever reason, the um, the um, the the chief uh, scientist was a civilian, and uh, and became the first officer right. for, for whatever reason, right? I was like, oh, there's some possibilities there of uh, of of a, of a character being in the in the chain of command, but not being Starfleet, but but having that 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 wealth of experience. That backs up the fact that they can they can do the work and and do the job and take over for the captain if necessary. 
even though they're a civilian? Like, and how does that dynamic play into things? And then, and then that got me thinking about okay. how uh, you know some players, um, newer players to Star Trek and, and just to the game in general. Like, there's a there's a difference between your character's role and your character's rank if they're in Starfleet and they don't have to be related necessarily. And you get into that whole power dynamic of, well, I'm a lieutenant and he's Lieutenant JG, so I'm always going to order him around or her around or them around or whatever. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. And uh, you could you could be a civilian XO and, and still be in the chain of command. So now that's just the stuff I've been percolating and thinking about. No, and I want I want people's minds to kind of blow, yeah. maybe blow out when talking yeah. about picking this character because a lot of it has to do with the mission profiling i think it makes it so much more interesting when all of a sudden you do have like to paul who is uh considered a, a representative of another government who's giving orders to commissioned officers that creates such a fun dynamic um right there so with that said let's talk a little bit about the role of the first officer we got to talk about away teams right <laughs> sure so, so, so uh, I'm gonna let Al start this one about the role of the away team, and then interested to hear Sky Sam what they say about how that are well, I don't want to say argument how that decision is made whether the captain stays home or not. Yeah, yeah. I, I again, I think that um, uh, this is based on your crew and the decisions that they make, uh, right? Um, I ran a game once where Michael was the captain, and his captain loved staying on the ship, wanted to be there. Um, and was was always asking the first officer to go out on an away mission. Um, and, you know, protocols are protocols or whatever. Um, but again, plot really drives what your characters are going to do. So, um, you know, if you know uh, your XO is going to be gone for a week and you want to do an away mission, maybe that's when you send your captain down. Um, but, yeah, I think I think sending an XO on an away mission is um it's fun. I don't think it's always necessary. Um, I think that you can just send uh, engineers and scientists and you know doctors down um, without the XO being uh, with them. Um, uh, but uh, if you're trying to tell stories and you're trying to develop that character and give them an arc, I think uh, putting them on the away team is really important. When we started out on Shield of Tomorrow, we we're trying to at least be aware of protocol. And in those early missions, did hew strictly to that and discovered that, okay, that works very nicely sometimes. And it worked very well for an extremely stoic, extremely by the book, had the book in the binder uh, kind of player and character. But ultimately, it's got to be what serves the story and what serves the players and all you players out there. You may have heard things like, don't split the party. That's wrong. Split it constantly. It's <laughs> yes. not just because it is a bad idea and therefore you should <laughs> do it because you should always do the bad idea. It's where the story juice is. But it is also deeply, profoundly, extremely track in nature. If you watch an episode of Star Trek, you will see they tend to have an A plot and a B plot, which lends itself well to, yes, that's right, player, you're so clever, splitting that party, <laughs> so do it. And it doesn't 
ultimately matter whether or not you have hewed to Starfleet protocol about whether the XO goes on the OA mission. Sometimes it can be a nice thing to do to give that player a little bit of a moment with whatever the adventure of the week is, but it's for that purpose, not because it's the rules, because I don't know if you've seen Star Trek, but we're kind of heck the rules over here. Mm-hmm. And likewise mm-hmm. with away missions. That's what makes the viewers uncomfortable. That's what's wonderful about it. Sky, what about what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Star Trek Adventures is not where uh, one where split the party, uh, uh, don't split the party applies. It's just not, um, you know, because I was the Betazoid for a long time and the helm officer and we had a lot of spatial anomalies that prevented transporters from working in our setting, in our campaign. Guess who got to go on all the away <laughs> missions? Um, not just because I was XO, but because also our captain at the time, uh, she actually was much more of a Star Wars person. She didn't know a lot about Star Trek. So, it, you know, if there was something that really needed someone who was familiar with Star Trek, I would go. And that was also a useful thing for me to be an XO was to advise the cap. Oh, captain, you remember this rule, you know, that kind mm. of thing. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, so I went on away missions a lot, um, either because I was flying the Aquarius or the shuttle or, um, you know, we needed my, uh, I first started out as an empath. We needed my, my, uh, empath abilities. So it was, you know, I I did it a lot. Uh, we took our security officer a lot. Um, and because our, you know, our captain was just not that knowledgeable. She stayed on the ship a lot of the time. So. Got it. Got it. Jim, any thoughts about that? Oh, I just, I love listening to all this. This is so great. I, I want to push it's it. Now. Yeah, yeah. So just absorbing it all. I love it. Um, I think. Um, I mean, XOs. I what, what I've what I've been thinking about just as I've been listening to everybody, especially talking about splitting the party, is um, how great it is to have an XO that the captain, whether it's a player character or the NPC or whatever, you can you can kind of like like shape the story so that you're forcing the group to split up, right? Like it's like, oh, the captain's got stuff to do on the ship along with a couple of the characters. But in the meantime, there's some cool stuff happening on the planet or on the space station or something else. So, you know, go send your away team, go send your landing party, whatever you want to call it. And and, and as a game master, you know, constructing the bare bones of the story before you start throwing it at the players and seeing what they do with it. That's such a great opportunity to force them to split the party and to and to start making those interesting um matchups right where you get to take your 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 collective group and and you get to give them opportunities to pair them up with people that maybe they don't play with that often like i know in in my game a lot of times the the engineer and the science officer were like you know hand in hand every episode because they always had all these big problems to solve and one would come from the science perspective one would come from the engineering perspective they vibed off each other really really well and you know after like 20 30 sessions I was like, oh, I need to break that up and just to see what they do differently with the other players. And so I'd find ways to like give them opportunities to like, oh, but let's send the science officer and the captain over here and the XO and the and the uh, other players over here. And you just get to play with that dynamic of the characters playing with each other and the, and the players playing with each other. And uh, the XO is really key to that, I think, because the the XO, depending on your character, the XO could be 
like a person of all trades, right? You can do a little bit of everything. And specifically, I'm thinking about Riker, right? He's a he's a pilot. He's a good shot. He's uh, he's got the 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 ambo jitsu uh, talent. He's a uh, he's a people person. Like there's just so much to him that that he can do a lot of different things. And I think that's that's something that's appealing as a player because I can come into the game and say I'm not really sure what I want to do. Like I, I kind of like science and I kind of like engineering and I kind of like being the 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 in a leadership role, but I, I don't want to do just that. Like, you know, as far as like niche protection, there's not really niche protection in Star Trek as there is in other games, but like the XO can do a little bit of everything and, and be involved in everything. Right. And I think that's one of the things I thought was neat. Um, and I'll stop, ta- stop talking. I promise. Um, <laughs> You're fine. As, a, as a game master, um, it was great to have an XO player character because I knew that they would be involved in literally everything like every plot i threw at them even if it wasn't directly related to their character they still had something to do and that, that really made it easy for me because then i didn't have to worry about like oh gosh the doctor is going to be here this week what the heck do i do with the doctor because i don't have a medical plot set up so i need to make you know be more thoughtful about that but every time i looked at the xo character player i was like oh you're going to be involved anyway because you're the xo <laughs> it was easy well, I, to that, oh, go ahead, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to say, and to bring it back to the idea of the away teams, yeah. you can also flip it, right? Like, as far as a GM goes, you send the captain away on a di- diplomatic thing, and this just happened in your campaign, Michael, right? And now the XO is in charge, and, mm-hmm. and how do they, like, they're in charge of the ship, uh, and now how do they handle uh, that Um you know, I think is the other way uh, that you can flip the whole away team idea. Yeah. yeah, there's there's one other key thing that I love seeing the exos do, and that is going back to the words advisor and supervisor, disagreeing with the captain respectfully. Sometimes, usually it's respectfully, that's advisable in the Navy. Um, and that creates a great, healthy tension. I know um, our previous first officer before Al's character was promoted, was anti-promotion. <laughs> like they really felt, no, you got to be around for a long time. I'm not a handing out battlefield promotions. And that created a consternation, I thought, with the captain who was battlefield promoted, basically, um, themselves. And so um, talk to us about that. Talk to us about um, playing the XO and your responsibility to disagree with the captain. Yeah. I can lead off with this because when I played an XO, I sat down with Hector Navarro, who was going to be the captain, and found out as much as I could about the character that he was making specifically so that I could build my character as a foil. And not just to be strong where he was weak, but to be ideologically and methodologically opposed so that we could create interesting chemistry and tension in the same vein as that Kirk and Spock dynamic, which is probably why I identified him in that best XOs list. So where the captain was very loose with the rules, I made commander vice principal pretty much. All of it was intentional and designed so that we could have those moments and in so doing to force both characters to grow because that is what 
that kind of pushback against each other enables for the characters in a story that every time you have to confront your values, not just mechanically, but also narratively, it gives your character an opportunity to become more than who they were when you started. And so it allows you to have an arc with your captain in doing that go maybe from being commander vice principal to someone who really genuinely and openly cares about their crew arcs Mm. like that can come when you have uh when you really build off of your captain you're making me salivate al we're gonna have to go back and talk about uh creating a little bit more conflict between you and your captain in our game because because that is going to be interesting to play on. Well, I was going to I was going to follow up with that that like it, it, I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be just a disagreement, right? If you are in charge of the crew, right? And and you know when um something isn't right with someone like like if they're not performing their job to the best of their expectations right that includes the captain like we had a scene uh you know in this last episode where um you know my character said listen captain i i i think that like you're not doing your best right now you are distracted you are i mean his child was on the bridge so he was a little distracted but um like it was it was just i thought that was a really good scene like uh and and it wasn't a disagreement it was just pointing out hey listen like you might have to make a life-saving decision in a moment and you are distracted and you know not really doing your job uh and and that was a really cool scene yeah sky disagree with the captain or not (laughs) oh so okay like so of course my 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 captain starting out she was not familiar with star trek especially not familiar with a lot of the the kind of the protocols the prime directive and not the omega directive the omega directive came up and uh we discovered a species that we made first contact with and they had been able to stabilize the omega molecule um and were used it as a power source for their entire civilization um and that created probably the most uh most tension between the players because you know my experience as a as a fan and also you know my character being pretty by the book up to this point um cuz she she very much was not that after she became captain but um she, you know she was just like captain this this many omega molecules if they lose control of it this entire nebula will be completely barren like we we can't let them continue to do this and then of course the science officer and the captain were both like this is ingenious they basically got like white holes that they're creating infinite energy from you know like why would we tell them you know because because you know captains are briefed on that but the rest are not and so the science officer thought it was like the dumbest Mm. idea to tell us you know for us to tell them to not only completely rearrange their civilization and how they powered everything but like completely destroy all the omega molecules Mm. um and we ended up compromising, I think, uh, you know, because my character was having none of it because, you know, I'm 
I'm a Helms person. It's like, I, if this all goes off, we're never going home. You know, yeah. like, so it sounds like there's design on, yeah, there's design on two elements. Sounds like the game master kind of oh, has to yeah, create design really, in the conflict yeah, and they, even, make, oh. and, yeah. And maybe even session zero, maybe have the first officer and captain have some values that don't mesh. Yeah. And, and well, and it just happened that way. It was, it just happened to be that way. Cause I was coming from the perspective of a super fan who knew everything by the book, like, you know, you know, the game master said, Oh, the Omega symbol has appeared on all the screens. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and everybody else is like, what? Right. So yeah, that That's was, cool. that was interesting. Yeah, no, this is, this is great. I think everything you're, that you're talking about and, and it ties into the, uh, like Sam, you brought up some great stuff as well. Um, and to the point where I was thinking, gosh, Sam, I need you to be, in all of my future Star Trek games, or at least in them as a facilitator, because what I what I love hearing is that um, session zero can be so important because not only are you building the, the the group and the ship and all that stuff, but but you are creating opportunities as players to 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 start building the foundation of opportunities to start you know playing off of each other and, and creating rich potential game experiences right there from the very beginning. Uh, to like where you were absolutely intentional about creating a character that was diametrically opposite the captain as a first officer. And, and like, I'll, I'll be honest, like a lot of my gaming experience, we just didn't have that. Right. We we weren't really focused on being opposed to each other. We were just working on like, Oh, you got some cool stuff in your character and I can compliment that and do, and we were you know making a good collaborative crew. Right. But you can take it to the next level. And what you're saying is like, Oh, I'm going to be really intentional about talking to this other player about what is their character, what makes them tick, what makes them them, and how can I make a character that's different enough that we can have the potential for really cool RP scenes as the game progresses. And then hopefully, you know, your game master's sitting there listening too, and they're absorbing all this and thinking, oh, now I can start playing with this and start, you know, pulling those strings and seeing how they play off of each other. Um, I think that's something that I don't see a lot in, in a lot of RPGs in the in like the core books to say, you are players working together collaboratively on this game to make it a great experience. So be intentional about building your character to not not just complement other characters, but also to kind of like be opposite to them so that you have opportunities to do cool role-playing stuff. I think a lot of role-playing games I've read, you know, it's really like, here's all the cool shit you can do. Focus on that. And, and like, you know, make your optimal build, make your, you know, pick your cool stuff. And like, and then, and now you're in the game with this other group of people who've also been doing that thing, right? They built their characters, and it's like, oh, the Star Trek is such a different, not, not specifically Star Trek Adventures, but uh, Star Trek, I think, is such a different milieu, right? And I, we're getting off of XO, I know, I, I forgive me. <laughs> Let me bring it back then, because I do at least want to say that there is much more to being an exo than just creating like an opposite day kind of character. It's not even the only way that I played when I had my turn in the center chair, I got to play with my exo who is just the captain of my soul ship, the foil I love playing off of as a person, one of my absolute best role-playing friends. And that kind of conflict was simply never going to happen because we adore each other too much. So where my first officer and Hector's captain were thrown together by circumstance, my captain got 
to choose their XO. And so our session zero was that day that I met her and decided you, you are someone special. I trust you to be the one to call me out, to give me advice. It's not just that they are a foil, though of course they are. It's that whoever is the XO gets this very special position to role play off of with the captain. The captain might feel isolated by power, you know, the way that Picard sometimes seems to, feeling like they need to put forth a certain image and and end up closed off as a result. The XO is the person who gets to have a very personal, emotional, intimate relationship with that captain gets to have the most friendship gets to draw them out of their shell and get them encourage them to be a little looser with the crew maybe anything like that what the exo offers is that little point of liaison between you know, second before god the captain on the ship and every member of the crew Yes, it's great as a job because you have an excuse to be anywhere at any time on the ship, but it's also great uh, because you get to role play with characters in a way that no one else on the ship really gets to. It's a very unique, very fun position. And no matter what you do, you end up with great built-in story juice with another player on your ship. I want to add in a footnote. All of what we're saying does not apply if you're using the Klingon core rulebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fight. Please fight. Please your goal fight. is to assert your captain at the first sign of any weakness. Or, or mirror yeah. universe. If you're playing mirror universe, I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> have, have a little bit of light mutiny. I mean, but even then, you're playing Klingon. Your job is to usurp. You want power. Maybe your family's really been pushing you for this. Maybe you need yeah. to make your name. And your captain is... Honorable. We'll have a whole. Uh, we're gonna have a Good. whole other episode and just on Klingon first officers. I think. Yeah, um, I mean, like, there's so much. No matter what, maybe it's it's the Klingon who should have usurped and discovers they actually like and respect their captain and don't want to. No matter what, you end up with that special. Yeah. Uh, that special dynamic, that special dyad with the captain. Great role. Good, Jim. Anything else you want to add on that? Um. I had a thought and then it left me. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, what was I, it? I, I was just just talking about like you know being being in XO. Um, I, I don't want to get into the question just yet about like why is the XO the best role to because I think Sam just <laughs> pretty much encapsulated it. So, yeah. You get to be involved in everything. You get to have your hands everywhere. You get to touch everybody. And like if if you depending on how you run your games, right? If you're if you're soliciting your players to like take the initiative and like, if you want to run a scene, run a scene, start it, you know, open it up and tell me, tell me what's happening. What is your character doing? You know, take, take the initiative and just jump into it. The XO has so many built-in opportunities to do stuff. They could be walking the ship. They could be having a personnel review. They could be disciplining a junior officer. They could be providing mentorship. I mean, there's so much you can do as an XO. It's uh, it's mind boggling, really. <laughs> they can stick their nose in everywhere. Everything. Yes. Exactly. That's their job. Yeah. 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 This is cool. I think honestly, I think it's easier to play the XO than it is to play the captain. And I think you have more diversity of role. And one of the other things I notice with a lot of people who are generating first officers, they tend to spread. I've noticed 
they tend to spread out their abilities and disciplines a little bit more. And the focuses are a little bit all over the place so that they can kind of cover additional positions. I've seen that. And I, I do look at character stats. I was just looking at all of Sky's character stats today <laughs> um, this, that that uh, they sent me. What were you saying, Sky? You're on mute. All right. I did finish my fi- the character sheet that has my final stats um, okay. from like three years of playing. <laughs> so you can look at that. I'll go back and look at that. Yeah. So that's, that's something for, for players maybe who don't want to commit to a particular role and want a jack of all trades. First officer might be a good op for that. Mm-hmm. And I just, that, that actually just sparked the thing I was going to talk about that I forgot. Um, and this was a question for everybody is um, if you think about the conceit of, of Star Trek being based on the, the Royal Navy and how a, how a captain was the captain. And then he had a string of um, lieutenants behind him and the expectation was all those lieutenants were going to become captains eventually um it, it seems that in a lot of times you, you know a first officer like you don't join starfleet to become a first officer necessarily like the first officer is a stepping stone to being a captain um per, theoretically you know depending on your character of course um so just uh, i guess like a question is um when you were playing the xo like did did your character have aspirations to eventually become a captain and and how does that impact the the fact that the campaign is built around a certain group of characters, and like Riker, who's who was offered command after command after command, but refused them because Jonathan Frakes was on Next Gen, and there was no way they were going to promote him to captain and ride him off the show, right? So they had to, they had to change the character to to be a first officer who wasn't willing to take command. They they weren't willing to take that next step. Right. Because just the nature of the of the show, he wasn't going to go off and do his own. They weren't going to spin off Riker into another show until, of course, you know, much later he became the captain of the Titan. But so as a player, then intentionally going into playing the role of a first officer. um, And we should have talked about this as as captain, but we didn't knowing that you're probably not going to get promoted. Like, where's where's the reward in the game for you? Being the first officer, knowing you probably won't get promoted to captain, although you could at some point. I know I'm going all over the place here, but just like uh, thinking as you're being the XO, but like, is that enough? Like, are you comfortable being the XO, knowing you're probably not going to become a captain, depending on your uh, your campaign structure? Uh, yeah, I mean, I th- I think I think that um, being the XO has its own rewards, role playing wise. Um, you do get opportunities to see command it, you know, you aren't the captain, but you are in charge of the ship. Um, you are in charge of an away team, um, things like that. Um, I think that, um, you know, in this game in particular, does such a nice job of, um, you know, showing how a character develops over time. It's not like you're leveling up. It's like you're leveling sideways. Right. Um, so even though. I know that realistically in the next, you know, two seasons of my show, I'm never going to be a captain. Um, you know, I get to see how my character uh, develops um, different skills um, as we progress through different, um, you know, episodes. And um, as long as the GM is on board with giving, uh, you know, you opportunities to take command from time to time, I think that is fulfilling in its own right. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, as I said, I did not go into the game. I did not create my character to be a XO. It just kind of was like, ah, that's you now. And I was like, 
excuse me. <laughs> um, you know, cause I, I am a pilot in real life. So, you know, I was like, I want to be a home officer. I want to be a home officer and I want to do cool flying things. Um, you know, so that would have made me happy as a player just by itself. But I also, you know, the, the, the command stuff allowed me to take my character in a direction that I never would have thought about. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden my cap, my, my character gets thrust into the captain's chair battlefield promotion when the Zenkethi war starts and because, you know, my, our cat, our captain player had to leave. So she was transferred to the Romulan Republic fleet. And then all of a sudden I'm center chair and it was, it was kind of nuts. Um, but I, you know, like I said, it, I was perfectly happy to, cause, cause the advantage of being XO is like, you get that taste of leadership. You do get the leadership aspect, but you can kind of lean on the captain a little bit. Like you can, you, it's not all on you. So like there's a little, there's leadership with less pressure, I think mm -hmm. is kind of like, you know, and, but you can also influence the captain. So, so it's, it's kind of interesting and, you know, I feel like it's a really good position if you're not on a power trip <laughs> trying to get to the captain's chair. You know what I mean? I built my XO in part around this idea. If I had this captain who was a little looser with the rules, who explicitly emulated Kirk as like his personal hero. He was also this kind of young guy. And I was building someone who was philosophically opposed. So I leaned into this very idea. Uh, my character was on track for captaincy before an accident that threw their career path way off of whack. So they came into the campaign with a chip on their shoulder explicitly as a choice that I made for my character that that seat should have been theirs. And that gave them the opportunity for an arc to see the value of the captain they actually did have and to learn ultimately that that was the right person for the job and for themselves in screenwriting and stuff, you'll hear people talk about the character gets what they want and realizes it isn't what they need. Well, my character learned that they needed to realize there's more on heaven and earth than the captain's chair. So ultimately, that character went on to become a chief of staff to an admiral. Hmm. That it was learning about the value both of the captain they had and of how important every other position is that to hard focus, to tunnel in on the captain's chair is to lose sight of all of the other value that the crew brings, not just every other member of the crew, which is a thing that we as captains try to remember, but as an XO, the value that you bring. It is just as important. And just because you're not getting the spotlight does not mean you are in any way less critical or that your work is less important. 
Right. The narrative flexibility and, is amazing. Al, go ahead, sir. I was just going to say, and um, and Sam, I imagine that mechanically speaking, your your value statements probably changed as you were going through that experience. Right. You probably got a new focus or two along the way. Maybe you shifted, you know, a point from command to security, you know, like yeah. and that's I think that's the beauty of this game when you are um, telling arcs like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Al's character. Whew. I, I mean, almost six focus change, if I think about it. I mean, they uh, just to, they were a helm officer, got stranded for five years on another planet where time moved at a different rate. So their five years was just a few months to the rest of the crew. So they came back with all these survival skills. But having lived that life, Starfleet says, yeah, you could be a commander now. You've gone through five years of grueling uh, survival and still are loyal to Starfleet and help save the universe. So that kind of helps with a promotion once in a while. All right. So as you can see, first officers, I'm going to have to say, might be the least possible to be bored at all. First officers will keep you busy with everything said tonight. Um, I, I personally love the position. I, I've seen our characters grow and be promoted into it or even be promoted up from captain. So if any of you are having questions um, about it, hopefully this episode really whets your appetite for, for being a first officer. So let's definitely, um, Jim, you want some final words and then we're going to do our gratitude go rounds. Oh uh, yeah. I was just, I was just going to uh, piggyback off that Michael and, and say, you know, we spent most of this episode talking about XO as as a role, right? Your character as an XO, and, and like if, if you're if you're the XO and you're bored, something's seriously wrong because we didn't even get really into what makes each of those uh, first officers unique characters, right? Like Tapal and Spock and Riker and and Kira and Chakotay, all the other first officers, they their characters in their own right. They got other stuff going on. Right. Like Kira was the first officer, but she was also a Bajoran. She was also former militia. She had relationships. She had things going on. So it's like not only do you have the wealth of role playing potential as the XO, but then you also add the character stuff on top of that. Right. And there's just so much richness there that you can play with. So like I mean, even Spock, right, like even if he wasn't doing XO stuff, he was doing Spock Vulcan stuff. Right. And science stuff. And like there's just so much more there to do. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, XO, you know, give it a shot. Even if you if you don't want to if you don't want to do it forever, just try it out. <laughs> if nothing else, so that's that's my last word. So we'll go and uh, we'll do our, uh, our gratitude round. Uh, we'll just uh, round robin it. Uh, Michael, why don't you kick us off, and then we'll just we'll go around the around the room here again. Sure. As per tradition, I'm going to go brick and mortar. So this time, Jim McLean, he wrote to me and he says, I have been buying all my STA books at a brand new game store, Fun Time Games and Hobbies in Elkhart, Indiana. He says, I photographed the books with the receipts and Modifius has sent me the PDFs every time. How cool is that? All right, let's go to uh, let's go over to Sam. Let's pass the baton to you. Well, I had this in mind, and I, I don't mean to target anyone in particular here, but I just want to shout out the fine folks at Modifius who make all of this possible. When we were talking right as we were beginning slash continuing this conversation, I mentioned that my first session zero was the day we first got a beta copy of the Star Trek Adventures rules. And we started this conversation talking about those supplements and you can find the ship I was XO of on page 77 of the science book that these people are 
have not only created a system that effectively facilitates Star Trek stories, as Al points out with how you get to use the mechanics to tell a truly Trek story with relationships at the forefront, but they're also incredibly beautifully involved with the community they have created. And it has made it a joy to go back to the world of Trek through TTRPGs again and again and again. And I can't wait to see Dreambunks do it again for Clear Skies Perseverance. USS Sally Ride. You didn't shout it out. Yeah. Sally Ride. <laughs> All right. Ow. Uh, I just want to say thank you to anyone that is out there doing um, the live streams of the game. Um, I think it's probably one of the easiest ways to help uh, learn the rules um, is to sit through a session and see when roles are expected, when they're not expected, um, things like that. And um, it, it takes a lot of work um, putting together a live stream. So um, Sam, to you and, and everyone else uh, who have worked with you like that. Um, and every, just everyone that's streaming, if you are streaming and we don't know about it, please get your links out to us. We will um, put them together. Um, I know April's been collecting a bunch um, and, and you know, this game is growing and we want it to grow even more. So if we can get more of your uh, stuff out there, um, that would be great. So send us your links and thank you for doing uh, all the hard work of streaming. Al, could you please, uh, you're so humble, can you please uh, tell us the date that you're streaming your live STA game? Oh, my first learn to play live stream is going to be on uh, the 14th of January. So it probably have already gone by by the time this uh, comes out. <gasps> you're right. Darn it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though. Sky. I'm yeah, I once again have to shout out to uh, my GM, Blue. They got me into this and all of this would not have, have happened uh, if it weren't for them. Um, and uh, Aaron McDonald, who continues to inspire me, um, you know, she's she's worked so hard to to come up from where she has been to where she is now uh, with Star Trek. And and I love her to death. So um, also Nick and Thomas for making the Odyssey uh, canon. And uh, this background is courtesy of Nick. Um, and then uh, I have to shout out to the crew of the USS Sally Ride for kind of giving me a sense of like how the rhythm of the game should go. And, and really, I think even solidified my, my love of the game even more than I had just by playing it. So, so I definitely want to thank, thank y'all, Sam, Eric, Bonnie, um, all y'all and, uh, and Jim, of course, for always supporting, uh, supporting my, my, my fangirlness or my fan themness. <laughs> All right, Jim, take us out. We we need the fans, man. I, I, I tell, I, we mentioned that last episode. I mean, we mentioned it every episode, but without the fans, we just not would be, would not be doing this. And uh, so, first, I want to shout out to um, uh, uh, issues needed comics in Apple Valley, Minnesota. Uh, I was there over the over the holiday break, and uh, they didn't have any any games, but they had every. New issue of IDW Star Trek series, the Lower Decks, uh, Star Trek, and a couple other ones. Uh, the Mirror, the Mirror War, and so I just stocked up on. I, I'm so behind on my comics uh, for Star Trek that I stocked up there, and I convinced them a little bit about uh, 
about Star Trek. And uh, uh, so even though they didn't have the game itself, and I, I gently encourage them to go uh, start stocking up on it because uh, they, they'll be able to have some fun with it. But so shout out to them. Um, I also need uh, to shout out, um, I'll echo Al, but I'll also echo um, Sky to say that uh, Shield of Tomorrow was so huge for for the game that we had no idea that that was happening. And um, I think you started in late 2016, maybe early 2017, even before the game came out. And um, I've long said that Star Trek Adventures had a had a a special opportunity because we were able to take a bet unintentionally. We took advantage of the internet and, and the fact that people were streaming the game and doing the game, like, like decipher and last unicorn games, like the, the internet wasn't what it was or what wasn't, isn't, wasn't what it is now 20 years ago when those games were coming out. And I think the, the fact that we had shielded tomorrow to lean on and, and, and say, look, here's the game. If you're not quite getting it, go watch their show because they got it right. That's how you do it, and that's and, and it was like this is like built in. It was just so amazing. Like I, I was just a writer at the time, you know, when I first started on the game. But it was like to be able to say to new fans online coming into the game, like, how does this game play? And we we could point to your show and say, go go watch it. Go watch a couple episodes. You'll get it. And they're like, I got it. I got it. And then, and then they can just and then they go off and run and they do their own things. And like, I, I never stop getting excited every time I'm on YouTube or I'm on Twitch in the middle of the night when I'm tired of working on the game or I'm editing a manuscript or something, I'll, I'll, I'll pull up Twitch or YouTube and just find some random group out there who's running the game. And I'll just watch for 20 minutes, half an hour or something. Right? I'll skip around through the episode and just watch how much fun they're having with it. And just to know that the Star Trek family has grown so much because of this game. It's just uh, it's so humbling <laughs> to see it week after week and day after day. And and so much of that is centered on on the on the foundation that Shield Shield of the Tomorrow and Eric and, and Sam and the whole crew built because the those 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 episodes are still out there for people to watch, right? And it's like it, they're not gonna go away. And you know, heaven forbid something happens and they do go away, but the 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 games here and the and those those episodes are there, and like so many other people have have been inspired by that. And have grown, gone on from that, right? And uh, as a project manager, like I can't put a value on that, right? Like how do you how do you take that gift <laughs> and, and turn it? It's like I can't, right? Like, so it's just uh, well, I'm just keep doing this, keep continuing yeah, keep the conversation, doing keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, and again, one of the biggest things, you know, right now we have one, you know, a huge star of, of Star Trek Adventures, Sam DeLev mm-hmm. with us. And then we also have the super fans here like Sky. And then we have fans who've turned into writers. So, Jim, you're doing all the right thing. Um, <laughs> and Modifius is really embodying the Star Trek spirit, yeah. which is really beautiful. So, of course, yeah. thank you for that. Oh, what a what a great conversation. Until next time, right? IDIC. I'm Brooklyn. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Be safe. Be well. We'll see you soon. <laughs>